This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This conversation is brought to you by Taylor's University. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. We are often asked this question very early in life. What do you want to be when you grow up? From astronauts to zoologists, we dream of becoming many things. But how many of us end up in a career we are truly passionate about? One lucky soul is Associate Professor Dr. Ganesh Ramachandran, Head of School, School of Medicine, Faculty of Health and Medical Sciences at Taylor's University. Dr. Ganesh is an obstetrician and a gynecologist with an interest in labour room management and office gynecology. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ganesh. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very curious about your journey. What inspired you to become an obstetrician and also a gynecologist? Uh, perhaps before I, I answer that, okay. uh, I should perhaps first say why I, I actually chose medicine as a career. Right. Um, I decided to be a doctor when I was 10 years old. Uh, and uh, that was the first time uh, I had an asthma attack. And uh, that was when my parents took me to see a pediatrician. And um, I went to into the room having difficulty in breathing and then came out being able to breathe, and that sort of struck a chord in me that perhaps, um, you know, I should do medicine, and and I sort of stuck to it um, uh, all the time. Why I became an obstetrician and gynecologist? Well, that is, uh, I suppose, down to some of the people who taught me in medical school. We had very passionate uh, teachers who actually um, made obstetrics and gynecology very interesting. It's also um, a, a field of medicine where you generally, especially when you deal in with obstetrics and mothers who are pregnant, you very rarely actually deal with ill people. You're actually dealing with people who are very well and uh, outcomes are usually also very good. Uh, but when they are bad, they can be bad as well. But outcomes are generally very good. So that that interested me um, uh, uh, right right from the from the start. But you know, the first time I went to a labor room, I think it was in year two or year three of medical school, um, uh, and there was a lady in labor, and I was standing and watching, and I fainted actually, <laughs> uh, and and I thought that I would never do obstetrics and gynecology. Right. But uh, here I am. Um, Almost 40 years later. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting journey. When you recall your memory of what prompted you into the field of medicine, you go back all the way to to the point where you were a kid and then you went to a pediatrician. Why didn't you become that then? Why, Why venture into another field of medicine? Um, I think two things. Huh? Uh, I did pediatrics. You know, you, you go through a pediatric rotation right. when you are a, when you are a medical student, and actually dealing with children and babies um, actually scared me a little bit. I must right. say that, and I and I'm still so? scared. You know, uh, because. They are smaller. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got a lot of procedures that you could do are sometimes a little bit more difficult. Right. Um, Sometimes it's very difficult to get to the root of the problem. Um, And I think, you know, you you generally have an aptitude at the end of the day, something that that tells you that you should be this. Right. Um, I I actually thought I'd become a physician and uh, somebody who did internal medicine and uh, I thought I would do cardiology. But... All that changed when when I went to my full time clinical years, and um, 
you know, you you sort of went uh, into the labor room and you got down to it and, you know, you had teachers who inspired you. And, you know, in medical school, especially in those days, not so much these days because, you know, uh, we've become more litigious. But in those days, medical students had to actually deliver babies. Right. So uh, when I was a medical student, I had to deliver 10 babies to complete an obstetric posting. It doesn't happen so much these days. A lot of times now it's just observing. If you're lucky, you get to do a couple of deliveries. Um, so so ONG was also one of those disciplines where you are hands-on all the time. Right. You know, you, you really got to do things. Um, and so so that was something that, that, that it just sort of um, pulled me that way. But... Again, I say it's the teachers. I, I had I had inspirational people who taught me obstetrics and gynecology. And that, that really made me decide that that's what I wanted to do. Right. And since you brought up ONG back in the day, right, what are your thoughts about medical, especially ONG education today? I'm, I'm curious if there has been much progress um, in, in attitudes, delivery of knowledge, for example, compared to when you were studying and training in this field. You know, actually, uh, if you look at the way I I started or the mm-hmm. way we were taught and the way students are being taught today, it's very, very different. Today, actually, students are in very safe environments when they uh, are in training. Most medical schools and Taylor's is one school that um, I can say without a doubt has have very good simulation laboratories. So you have lots of uh, uh, models and mannequins on which students can actually practice procedures, get it right. And even if they get it wrong, uh, it's not something that will um, impact anybody in any big way. So you can actually become very confident in performing a procedure before you actually go out and do it uh, or or perform that procedure on on a real patient. So that has changed a lot. In my day, you, we actually practiced on real patients. And I can still remember the first time I went, uh, I was in the teaching hospital in, in Kubankrian. I am a graduate of USM. And, you know, we were, had to do the blood taking rounds. And uh, you were just given the, the list, the, the, blood, the, the, the bottles and the syringes. And then the nurse said, Go ahead and do it, you know. <laughs> so you had to really figure it out yourself. Right. And you made mistakes. Um, you made messes sometimes. Uh, but but um, that is not there today. And I think that's really good. There's so, much of, um, there's so much of opportunity for students to practice before they actually get into the real uh, situation. And that really helps. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you are a gynecologist and you're also, what's interesting is you're a male gynecologist. Have you faced any challenges in your career given that you're a male gynecologist? Okay, I think again, we have to to look at it uh, in in a broader perspective. Back in the day when I started, obstetrics and gynecology was a male-dominated profession. Just like, you know, all surgically based professions have traditionally been dominated by by men. Mm-hmm. 
somebody told me the other day that you know they saw a group of engineers taking a picture and said oh all the engineers are men and apparently engineering is also a male dominated right. profession but back in the day it was like that and that was probably because of the hours that were involved in in obstetrics and gynecology so when i when 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 i was a trainee a lot of it was male but incidentally my immediate boss who trained me in my final years as a registrar was a lady but uh, when i came back to malaysia as an obstetrician i noticed that things were already changing there are more and more women who were coming into the into the profession and you also found that a lot of um, uh, governing bodies for example the royal college of obstetricians and gynecologists in the uk had actually begun to um, uh, change the system of training so that they would allow more uh, women doctors to take up this profession right so that has also contributed to the change i think uh, they were given longer times and i think that's entirely fair so that you know everybody had you know like like women had time to had the opportunity to take time off begin families and then come back and still pursue the speciality that they wanted to to do the other thing i think is perhaps in a, in in our environment um it's perhaps there is there is a conservative side to the way we look at things and so perhaps that is also shaping the reason why um there are uh, more women in the profession right i i think that's that's basically it what what do you mean by by conservative side of looking at things do you mean that there are people um uh women who feel uncomfortable um going to a male gynecologist not all but some and and you know and they prefer to go to a woman yes i think i think there mm-hmm. is there is uh, such a, a situation there are women who prefer to see women gynecologists and um, uh, i think that there is a sizable number of women who want to do that right and that may be the reason why there are more women it may also seem more natural uh, that you know a woman takes care of a woman right. uh, when when she's ill but that doesn't happen if you are if you have a heart attack or if you have uh, need to undergo some other form of surgery right. so i don't see why it needs to happen when you are an obstetrician but there you are and again it's not a malaysian issue it's it's an issue that is Uh, prevalent now all over the world i was reading a blog some time back uh, by a, a, a year 3 resident in obstetrics and gynecology a male in in the united states who was talking about why it was difficult for him to actually f- fulfill his delivery requirements the number of babies that he needed to deliver because uh, mothers in labor did not want him to to be the attending uh, physician or right. attending obstetrician at that point so that is that but if you ask me personally when i was in garment service there were times when when um, uh, women would say that they would prefer a a a, a lady compared to a man sometimes that was possible and i always uh, felt i always did uh, try to tell my trainees as well that if somebody actually preferred to see a, a particular person then we should try but there are times in garment service when that is not possible because everyone available is a man or the specialist on call on that day is right. a man so you can't really have that a lot of it i think also comes down to communication and the way you you actually speak to the patient there may be patients who will come in and say they they would prefer a, a woman but when you talk to them and you 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 sort of get the communication going uh, you find that you know a lot of them will agree 
there will be a small group who will say that they want to see a lady. And if that's possible, then I think we should allow. But in different situations, it may or may not be possible. In the private sector where I worked as well, it's not an issue because if you decided to see a woman gynecologist, then you ask for a woman gynecologist. Right. So that's not an issue. Doctor, you've been doing this, like you said, about 40 years now already, yeah. right? It's been a long time, um, you know, uh, four yeah. decades. Um, yeah. What has been the most fulfilling aspect of your career? I've, I've worked, you know, uh, um, though, I'm, though, though we are called obstetricians and gynecologists, when I started working in, in after coming back as a specialist, we had a group of four of us and we had to rotate ourselves through the antenatal ward, the gynecology ward, uh, labor room and the postnatal ward, something like that, or the clinic. Yeah, right. so it was a rotation, and we I went through one rotation once, and then fine, it became my turn to to actually take charge of the labor room. Um, the labor room is a place where many people don't like to be. Um, so at the end of that two months or three months, uh, the other specialists, when we had our meeting, they said, you know, all of us are quite happy where we are. Ganesh, are you happy in the labor room? So you you, you seem happy, so why don't you just remain there? <laughs> well, it, it, and to tell you the truth, I, I, I have always been happy in a labor room. Mm. Uh, I've always uh, felt, I've always skewed to obstetrics rather than gynecology, so I was quite happy to be there. And those are fulfilling, those are fulfilling times when you, you deliver babies, I think every time you deliver a baby, it's fulfilling. But, you know, sometimes you actually, in the labor room, um, uh, you actually have to deal with emergencies. And these emergencies can make a difference between uh, life and death for mother and baby. Uh, and I think um, uh, when, when, you, when you are part of a team that manages those sort of situations, uh, it's always very fulfilling. Um, and uh, when you see a patient um, whom you have managed in a very, very dangerous situation actually recover and go back or come back and see you uh, at follow-up and say thank you, uh, I think that, that sort of makes your day. I think uh, really, I think, I think for most doctors, that's, that's the most fulfilling thing. When somebody says thanks, thanks for, for what you have done, I think that, that really makes you happy. You know, I'm also curious on the flip side. Um, being in surgery, regardless of which field, even if you're a cardiologist and, and things like that, it's very dangerous. Like as in things can go wrong yes. um, and, and lives may be lost. Yes. But when I think about gynecologists and obstetrician, you're dealing with, you know, a baby. Yes. Um, many, you, you, may, you deal with families who perhaps they've been trying for a very long time and finally they have a child. Yes. Or There's a lot of excitement and nervousness there in the room as well and, and all of that. When things don't go right, um, when lives are lost, how do you deal with it? Um, how do you detach yourself from it emotionally? Do you detach yourself from it emotionally? How do you overcome a life of a baby, you know, having to pass? Um, more than a life of a baby, I mean, a life of a, losing the life of a baby is a disaster. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, the even uh, uh, something that is even worse is losing the life of a mother. Right. Uh, and I think you know, obstetrics is is a field where there is a lot of science, but there's also a lot of uh, of art and heart. You see, uh, you do you you end up taking care of a woman through her pregnancy, mm -hmm. and like it or not, uh, apart from the the, the 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 relationship as a doctor and a patient, there is also another relationship that sort of develops over a period of time. Uh, 
um, because uh, they have invested time in your care and you have invested time as well. And at the end, like I said, they are not ill. Many of them are not ill. Uh, there are a small proportion of women who are actually ill when they, are, when they get pregnant. That's a different issue. But many of them are not ill. So when something goes wrong, it will affect you. It affects everybody, uh, regardless of the speciality you are in. Uh, but I think in obstetrics, it really does affect you. You know, it really does affect you. It's good to have a team. And that's why we, when things go wrong, usually there are debriefs so that you actually talk about the whole process mm -hmm. and then you sort of mark out areas there where you think things didn't go right. Sometimes everything goes right, but still outcomes are wrong. But, you know, you learn from everything. I think all of us are affected uh, for, for some time. But many of us, I think we pick up the pieces as we go along and then uh, we continue. But there's always an effect when you when you lose um, when you when you lose someone, a patient. I think I think that's true. You know, you know there is there is a, a book called First Do No Harm by a mm. um, neurosurgeon by the name of Henry Marsh, right. and he talks about um, a private graveyard that every doctor has. Right. Okay. All of us who have practiced medicine and who continue to practice have cases where things may not have gone as planned mm. and outcomes may not have been what we expected. You know, the thing is, we need to be aware of those uh, mistakes and we need to be able to learn from those mistakes and we need to revisit those, those situations once in a way so that we remind ourselves that, you know, that why we need to be careful. A very eminent uh, gynecologist back in the day um, called Ian Donald, he's a Scottish uh, obstetrician who actually first developed ultrasound mm -hmm. uh, for practice uh, in obstetrics. And I think, you know, uh, the, in his book, there is a picture of the, of the room. The, the ultrasound, the, the room where the first ultrasound machine was placed, the mach it's actually bigger than this room that we are in now. Right. And it could only make one measurement. It could just make the measurement of the diameter of the baby's head, and that's all. And the first diameter that he actually measured was the diameter of his grandchild when his, uh, wife, uh, when his daughter was pregnant. But in his book, he wrote a book, and in his book he says, if there is an error that I have not committed in my career as an obstetrician and gynecologist, it is not because of my ability or intelligence, but rather that I was not placed in a situation where that error could have been committed. And, and I keep telling my students that all the time, you know, that uh, you must always remind yourself that errors will happen, learn from mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes, but don't ever run down somebody for mistakes that they make because you really don't know uh, the situations, you know. I'm not trying to make an excuse for negligence. Uh, that's a totally different right, issue. Right, right, absolutely. But this is errors. And, and, and we need to learn from these errors and then uh, uh, move on. And I think that's what we all do as doctors. Now, speaking of um, future students and your, your current students, um, I think what you just said is, is very good advice. Do you have any other words of wisdom um, for current or future medical students who are looking to pursue their studies and careers in medicine, especially what you're doing? If they are like, I want to become Dr. Ganesh one day, one day what words of wisdom do you have for them? 
You see, medicine has drawn a lot of bad publicity in mm. Malaysia. Right. You know, people, uh, you know, because of the weight to become housemen um, and things like that, you know, people are say, oh, why should you do medicine? Not a good career. But, but I think um, uh, medicine is a career that is good. There is no doubt about that. Uh, there is always a place for doctors. There's always a place for doctors. The, the thing that you need to really think about is why you want to become a doctor. Okay, If you think that you want to become a doctor because you want to be a very rich person, then perhaps medicine may not be the, the place. But medicine is a career that will always have people, that, that people always require doctors. But you must want to do medicine. That's the first thing. You must want to do medicine. It must not be to do, I don't want, don't become a doctor to fulfill the ambition of your parents or your grandparents or an uncle or somebody who in your family who felt that you should be a doctor. It shouldn't be a status symbol. It shouldn't be a status symbol. It shouldn't be to fulfill someone else's ambition. It's supposed, it should be something that you want to do. Right? And if you decide that that is what you want to do, you will find it uh, fulfilling. Three things that I always tell people who want to be doctors, I always call it three hitches. Number one is uh, be hardworking. Number two is uh, be humble. Uh, always be, uh, consider it a privilege to be part of a team that takes, takes care of a patient. You know, it's not a right, it's a privilege. And the third thing is to be honest. Always remember that, you know, what you do may have an impact on or always has an impact on somebody's life and well-being. There are times when we don't do some things and that's not wrong. You know, you could have forgotten, you, it could have um, time, there could be many reasons. But if you didn't do it, then just say that you didn't do it. You know, uh, don't say that you did it because then the person who is actually taking over from you will think that you have done it. And then when, when the need arises, they find that it's not been done. Right. So three things, um, honest, honesty, hard work and uh, humility. I, I think, think that if you do these three things, you should be fine. I think that's wonderful advice. And on that note, Dr. Ganesh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. That was Associate Professor Dr. Ganesh Ramachandran, Head of School, School of Medicine, Faculty of Health and Medical Sciences at Taylor's University. Dr. Ganesh is an obstetrician and gynecologist with an interest in labour room management and office gynecology. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. This conversation is brought to you by Taylor's University. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.